Star Wars Squadrons podcast. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode. I am very happy to have him on. He's got one of the highest levels in Skull Squadron. Pretty tough opponent anytime you match up with him. I know I have a hard time. Very happy to have Disaster on the podcast here. I feel like I feel like I'm having some issues hearing him right now. Hey, you Talk now, Disaster. Let me hear you. Talk now. Do there. we got it? We it got it. Up? Yeah, it's one of those things that doesn't even make sense to me why it works now and it didn't before. Thank you so much for being on the podcast here this week, Disaster. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't honestly, it wouldn't be the Star Wars Squadron podcast without me making a technical error right off the beginning. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't be a podcast or anything with me without a little bit of disaster in it <laughs> yeah that's it exactly honestly it is pretty laughable like i said that i didn't realize it was disaster i thought it was zostre and then i didn't realize it was short for disaster for so long <laughs> <laughs> man i am so so happy to have you on the podcast like i said man i i wanted to have you on here for a while i mean you've been playing the game since day one tell me what's your background you know to just flight games to Star Wars games. How did you get into Star Wars Squadrons? Uh, yeah, dude. Thanks for having me too. I like I like watching you um, <laughs> from the first it. podcast up to now. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Um, but my uh, I guess my flight sim started in uh, the N sixty four actually with Star Fox sixty four. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, what a great, I guess, fly-by-wire game or whatever, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I just fell in love. We, we had a simulation game in the '90s called uh, Jane's World War II Flight Simulator, and I just fell in love with the P-51 and uh, propeller planes. And from there on, it's, you know, it kind of brewed into this. Uh, I fell in love with Star Wars at an early age too, and this is just. A great all-time mashup together. Did you play like the older, you know, X-Wing uh, versus TIE Fighter games? Any of those ones in the past? Uh, I played the first Rogue Squadron on mm -hmm. the PC, but none of the other X-Wing TIE Fighter games, no. Yeah, the Rogue Squadron, for me, the same thing. That's like where it was like the only background at all, I think, for any sort of flight game that I really like. Because I remember Star Fox... It didn't quite work for me. I don't know if it was just. I mean, the, the, it was one of the one of those first games that was like 3D, but I guess maybe because it was like those those sort of polygon looking for whatever reason. I just didn't get into it, or I think it was a little tough for me. Some of those games, maybe I didn't want to learn the mechanics, so it took me years before I really found them. And then you know, squadrons. So how did you feel? When did you start to play flight games again? Were you playing flight games before it came out? Getting ready for it at all? What was your approach coming into it? Uh, honestly, nothing recently with flight games. Um, probably about a year before my buddy and I were playing War Thunder, but I have a track record of on and off with that game. Mm -hmm. um, and solo, it got pretty boring. So uh, my friend 
he ended up picking it up too, just because I was like, you know, I want to fly. Oh, it also has tanks. Oh, it also has boats. So it was just like kind of the perfect storm for, uh, you know, war games. Mm-hmm. So you were uh, playing that leading up to it. Mm-hmm. No, nothing, nothing before. So then squadrons came out were you hyped? Like, were you following it at all? I remember I was watching those like, uh, sons of solo guys. I think they were doing stuff when it, were you watching anything or getting ready for it? You just kind of hear about it and you're like, Oh, I'll try it out. What was your approach coming in? Oh, so I I think I first saw an ad for it, honestly, uh, in September. And if not September, shortly before that. Uh, So I didn't even know anything of like way before that with the original announcements or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I saw a new game coming out in like a month, I was ecstatic just because of how little Star Wars games have been coming out, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, from, um, so it was awesome. I had a group of friends too who kind of told me about it. They're like, "You got to get this," and I was like, "Well, it's forty bucks. Sure, okay, I'll get this." Did you have friends who were going to play it with at all? How was how about do you have anyone going in with you? Uh, no, mm-hmm. uh, it was just me. I saw Star Wars, and I was like, "You know what? I'm a huge Star Wars mm-hmm. nerd. Uh, I might as well just get it." That and it was a flight sim game. Mm-hmm. Like, I I enjoy World War Two combat. And yeah. That's, yeah basically what i was expecting coming into this with the star wars aspect so you play on pc and do you play controller is this correct or do you play flight stick uh i haven't sorry about that no worries uh i haven't played with my flight stick on this game um I basically started on mouse and keyboard and 30 seconds into the very first (laughs) tutorial, uh, I was like, this is a controller game. So I plugged in my uh, controller and I went, I went ham with it. Yeah. Which uh, controller are you using? Uh, honestly, I started off with a Xbox, like a standard 360 controller Mm -hmm. via Bluetooth. I had so many issues with my Bluetooth drivers that I went out and I purchased a knockoff, uh, 360 elite controller. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. There's, I mean, Uh, which one did you go? Strictly because it's plugged in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the fusion by power. A yeah. That one's very, very popular. I've seen lots of people use that. Is that the one that has four buttons on the back or two buttons on the back? Uh, it's got four nice. and like you can remove them if you don't want to use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a weighted controller, so it's it's pretty heavy compared to standard. Yeah, that was the same thing I noticed with the Elite controller. It's actually a lot heavier, but it I ended up liking it way more. Actually, you move your hands like up and down and it rests much better in your hands. It's surprising oh, yeah. how much better it is. Yeah. So, yeah, you move on. So you playing controller the game right away. And I also remember, like, I feel like Skull was like formed a competitive team like pretty early. I think I remember in the early like power hours and stuff you had, you know, squads out there. How did you start playing the game and forming around that? How did that all begin? Uh, So basically, when I saw this game came out and I mentioned that I didn't have any friends going <laughs> into it, uh. I got on Reddit the first time and I saw the Reddit link had a Discord server. So I clicked on that. And when the game dropped, uh, I just joined the Reddit Discord server and I just joined and played with anybody that was willing to play. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Um, oops, sorry. So I was just thinking too, because like at that time, the rank was broken. 
which was really annoying and honestly probably hurt the game and the, the people playing it a lot. But at the same time, rank has been such an annoyance for people since it has been fixed. At that time, for the first month, people genuinely just played together not caring about rank was really good for people meeting and just being open and playing more and not so much caring about it in some ways. So I find that kind of interesting thinking about it now, just kind of a random thought that I'm having. Sorry, continue on. So you're playing on the Squadrons Discord, you're, you're meeting everyone. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, rank being broken was probably one of the better things that came out, to, in my opinion, because everybody just played with a whoever, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't care about winning or losing, uh, especially I mean, if I'm playing with randoms. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it didn't matter. Uh, anyway, so I was playing on the Reddit Discord server, and uh, I started getting guys who were pretty regular at the times that I was playing. And back then it was all about, you know, who could kill the other guys on the other team more, right? It was all about mm -hmm. the top fragger, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we ended up, I ended up playing with uh, um, Scorpius. Uh, and he was in one of the very first, what was that, Operation Ace, the streamer one? Oh, right. The, yeah, that's right. That was, or of whatever. course, yeah, the one that was like four or eight teams for that one. That's right. Very early on. That's of course. Yeah, I forgot about that one. It's kind of a showcase yeah. of the game and what it could be kind of early on. And oddly enough, we, they were the uh, the center of controversy when they got uh, muted by the Discord server admin. Uh, so things were pretty funny back then, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a different time. I guess maybe there there wasn't so much connection. I know, you know, since then I know that server has definitely uh, opened up for sure. Like I know they I post all my videos there and let you know stuff there. So I know it, it, things have changed. So that's always good to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. But that um, Scorpius, sorry. Yeah, so Scorpius, uh, and he was rolling with uh, Death Scythe and Scotia still. I don't remember the other two guys. Uh, they weren't really around um, when Skull formed as, like, Skull Squadron. Uh, but I was invited to a server, and uh, it was hosted by Party Breaker, but his PC was having problems running the game. Uh, so that server kind of died, and we also didn't know if he wanted like anybody else to join it. So Scorpius ended up starting Skull Squadron from everybody who was top fraggers invited into that mm -hmm. Pink Squadron server. <laughs> oh, Pink! Uh, I think I was in that one. Oh yeah. my god, that's so funny. Yeah, I think I was in there. Well, because I think early a... on, on too, I think I played with like Polytonic and at Hidden Gecko a bit, and I think they kind of ended up in Skull Squadron as well. Uh, yep, yep. So they were uh, shortly after I had joined, um, and it was the the glorious pink squadron, um, <laughs> as it was, because I'm sure there was a pink squadron out there already. But... Yeah, I think there's hot pink too as well. If you... <laughs> there's another one there. Hut oh pink. yeah, yep. <laughs> so then, basically, skull kind of formed from there. I guess we kind of came together at that point. With yeah, I mean, you guys have always been competitive there too you were doing uh, like i said i remember seeing you guys in the power hours early on i mean dog fighting for sure right like i remember that was what the the power hours started as too just what that was the it wasn't fleet battles at first yeah so uh we were the top fraggers from hot hot pink or glorious pink squadron and just other guys that were out and about and the idea was to you know form 
uh, semi-casual competitive squadron that was going to be like just really cool guys that hung out together and were really chill. And mm -hmm. that's basically what the backbone was of Skull. It was just guys who got along together that were pretty good at this game. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I think too, another guy who I crossed past with me was on Skull's lineup in the uh, the SEL and, and played for us in the Cal Cup. Of course, Geo, like you know, definition of another chill guy who was just, you know, awesome to play with. So it, it's fun. You've just and another heavy PvP player, like way back, I think at week, week eight, episode eight or something of like this, I had him on talking about the uh, the dogfighting. So so was it was all Skull kind of how did you guys transition then into being more balanced with the PvP? Did it just come with playing more fleet battles? Sorry, PvE rather. Uh, I think, and we might not be the, you know, creators of any kind of meta mm -hmm. per se, but um, basically when they kind of fixed how the AI pathing worked in mm -hmm. fleet battles and uh, power hours kind of shifted towards opening that up as a an option, right? Mm -hmm. uh, our original idea was that we were going to have uh two player killers uh two objective players and a flex player that could go back and forth between the two mm -hmm. and um you know i saw early on especially because when you load into a, a fleet battle match right it says kill the other player's ships or flagship right right so obviously there's an emphasis on the pve environment and i think that's what led to a lot of our early success in there and transitioning into something but that totally makes sense i remember yeah you guys were in one of the first um because the the operation ace tournament as well you guys that was the first like real teal tournament. actually i guess we could talk about the dog fighting tournament that came up first i believe you guys were in that one as well right uh no dog fighting tournament i know i think the new republic um, the, put that one on maybe you don't even remember it now <laughs> well we could skip ahead then. uh oh no 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 i don't think we were in that one to okay be honest. yeah you know what now that i'm thinking back actually because i think maybe paulie and hidden gecko were maybe going to do that one with us and i don't think it worked out for anyone having a lineup so then i guess it would have been the operation ace you guys did have a lineup in that one if i'm not mistaken as a full five, yeah, that was our first. Uh, we did do the, what was that, the 2v2 Clout Cup or oh, whatever it I was. Oh, I forgot about that one. That's right. Yeah, there was that one that Hunted, I think, put on there for a bit. Yeah, where it was uh, it was two guys with two guys who were against each other, but they were all on the same team trying to top frag uh, the other team. Mm -hmm. guess, yeah, it's like right? a kill race. That's right. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We uh we had one team make it to the quarterfinals, and we had a a second team make it to the no no not the quarters. We uh round of what eight, mm -hmm. and then the round before that. That is such a cool concept too. So, that I mean, we haven't seen anyone really been able to do something like that in a bit. Sort of mix it up with that kind of stuff. I wonder if there is maybe room in squadrons to have kind of special events like that almost or like even custom dog fights but you're not just you're it's all individual so it's whoever gets the highest totals or something in some some way like that or then assist balance it out i don't know i feel like maybe there's room for some other stuff it doesn't necessarily just have to be fleet battles competitive or dog fighting mode what do you think about that anything you'd like to see 
Yeah, no, I, I love creativity. I'm not the most creative person in the world, <laughs> but, you know, I'll support something that I think is a really good idea. And I thought that 2v2 where you were 2v2 2v2 plus one against the 2v2 plus one was a really neat idea. Um, recently, there was that uh, 3v3 for the uh, the lower tier people that mm -hmm. wanted to play like a competitive aspect. Yeah, that's uh, maybe right. Lower tier is not a good word, but I think it's uh, like people that weren't mm -hmm. in like the the pro scene, you know. Yeah, the Cadet Cups for newer players, and you know, it's uh, what is the word? Catered or you know, cultivate. Uh, it's overseen anyway to make sure that the the different groups are balanced, so that the skill levels are balanced, and you know, the matchups are fair. And yeah, it is three v three fleet battles, and I think there's going to be another one upcoming for anyone who is interested in checking that out for sure as well. So I, yeah, I think that it's awesome that there's different options for people. So you said too, that you never uh, went to your flight stick. You do have one though. Um, sorry, you went from mouse to keyboard, right to controller. Did you ever try out flight stick at all in squadrons? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, so I have a Logitech Extreme 3D Pro mm -hmm. uh, and I've had it for a couple of years and I recently unboxed it honestly to play uh war thunder in simulation mode mm -hmm. uh so i'm still very jittery as far as keeping uh you know eyes on target and everything uh, i also don't have the vr aspect so my hat switch is honestly how i look around and half the buttons are other look aspect buttons oh wait so you lose you use a free look is that what you're saying uh, under War Thunder, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I see what you're saying. Okay, I was wondering in in squadrons if you're using that on your your controller to like free look around. I I don't do that. Maybe people do do that. I don't know. <laughs> no, I I've tried a couple of times, right? Because <laughs> you know they put so much into the game mm -hmm. as far as uh, design and details and things. Like looking back in the tie bomber, like there's a lot of space back there. It's crazy. There's a couple of times that I looked back there. Yeah, it's crazy how much room there is back there. You have a couple dudes chilling for sure. <laughs> but I feel like half the time that I try and use free look just as like, you know, shits and giggles or whatever, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it's so hard to activate. And then, you know, there's no real, I guess, advantage to looking around, especially if you're on mm -hmm. controller. I guess the only thing I can think of is if like you're in a dogfight, a guy kind of like flies back and you want to see like which way he's turning or I mean, but you can use the little radar thing anyway. So, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's definitely you don't. Now, being, I mean, if you're in VR and just quickly glancing and looking, that would be obviously uh, even better, though. That would be so amazing. That's one thing that I really noticed yep. switching from console to PC is just how great <laughs> the visuals are. It's pretty amazing to see. Yeah, you get a, a higher quality, larger uh, resolution, I would assume, right? Mm -hmm. So I did kind of want to talk to you, too, about sort of like the place of the meta in the game right now because i know you, you know we were kind of talking about it the other day and you know pvp is kind of fallen out from it now and you know we're seeing the, the multi-drift has been you know we're talking about how much of a factor it is so what are your thoughts on the current meta right now um i, well, I guess my thoughts on the meta are basically the exact opposite of most um <laughs> Not necessarily. And what I mean by most is like mm -hmm. the pro play aspect. Of things, sure. Right? Yeah, I think. Okay, so go ahead. Go ahead. Get into it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel at least as far as the top 
to your, you know, the um, players, uh, their aspect of things is very nonchalant towards a lot of this, where I have to make like a huge deal to get a point across, right? So, yeah. Uh, in my huge deal, right, PvP is practically dead. Um, it's just about who can base race faster for the most part. And at the highest level, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, you could you could see it like Splinter versus CA. I do think if you if there don't get me wrong, there was games that there was more kills than other ones. But I think if you really boil it down to what wins and loses, it is about two things, how fast you can just, you know, do damage and get your damage in and two, how fast you can get the flips. And both of those things don't involve player kills necessarily. They're like an addition to those things. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, because uh, there was one tournament I, I I had to go to sleep because, uh, you know, I worked the night shift, but um, there was one tournament where I think it was the semifinals had an entire game where there were zero kills. Yeah. And it was over in like five minutes or something like that. Something crazy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it had to do with the Empire just being so strong at that point, too. They needed to have the balance there to, to kind of help that. But I feel like now it's also because what what has caused it to get to this point where um, player killing is so low? It seems to be because so many players have mastered these flight mechanics at this point, right? Like with if it's, you know, whatever you want to call it with pinballing or, you know, some whatever the shunt charging is, you know, whatever combination of that and boost gasping that you're doing to pinball, it seems... Like it has changed drastically. I would argue it's because people have gotten so much better with that flight mechanics. What What do you think? Yeah, so I think um, I think the developers put in like some kind of invulnerability frames when you activated your boost, right? Because mm -hmm. it was supposed to be like, hey, we're we're moving a lot faster now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they thought we would get to this aspect of play. Mm -hmm. And uh, what has uh, what perspired, conspired, uh, <laughs> transpired? I guess some of it. Trans <laughs> that's the word. Transpired. Sorry, it's been a long night. Hey, no worries. <laughs> uh, what has transpired from it is uh, pinballing and basically Guitar Hero with the uh, with the power <laughs> management. Right. I have never heard it explained as Guitar Hero with the power management. Pretty true. I mean, <laughs> so I've always yeah, thought yeah. of. I've always thought because I have good controller, right? Uh -huh. uh, boost and drift are on the same, uh, same button. Uh -huh. Yeah, me too. Um, so I've always thought of you know boost skipping and things like that as a cadence, right? It's something that uh, you have to get down on a controller in order to get the timings right, and with the input lag and things of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. It's more or less like a cadence, like a rhythm. I agree. Yeah, and, you're right. And less of like a, a press, 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 press kind of thing. Yeah, like I'm not looking constantly at my, my boot, how much my boost meter is or whatever. You kind of, you know what I mean? You kind of know for the most part. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just the idea of it being like Guitario is kind of true, I guess, in a certain sense, especially in like the defenders. Like it gets pretty crazy like that way for sure. You have to be pretty. I mean, I don't think it's easy 
to boost gas and those in all those things like i've spent time to like practice all those things and shunt charging these things like you have to put in time to do them so they're they're not easy they're definitely skills and i feel like more people have put in that time but i but like you're saying the developers probably weren't thinking it this way like they must be kind of like oh wow like they're they're not dying like in some ships like you really don't die unless you you can really escape use the repair kit or just escape to the point or get a repair from a support where you were able to extend lives to ridiculous amounts and then the damage output's so high it's a, it, it is kind of away from what they intended yeah and i remember so i i guess two things from that right mm -hmm. uh there was a video of the developers when the b-wing and the defender were coming out right and this was right before I think boost gasping and boost skipping became popular in mid December as like the next best thing to do, right? And I don't even think that might have been early. I don't even know if Fencar was putting out the videos yet. That maybe that's probably the right. Let's say in there. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, continue. I think from like a competitive aspect, people were figuring it out at that point. But yeah. no, I don't believe Fencar had been posting videos mm -hmm. about. Um, his techniques mm -hmm. or anything of that nature yet. Yeah, sorry, continue. Um, but the, so the Defender, as the developers said, it has a small boost um, battery, right? A small boost charge, a small boost hold, that it's meant to be really strong when it gets to its zone, right? The zone that it's trying to get to. The issue that we found as, you know, the upper tier echelon is that you can just be in whatever zone you feel like because you can boost gas and skip all over the place. Mm -hmm. So you're not really strong when you get to some place. You're just really strong all the time. Yeah, because people are just basically finding ways to... Uh, avoid those like natural penalties or whatever those like little times when you can't charge and then charging something else and then going back or what just all just max basically it's just maximizing the way that these systems work just because i mean i guess that's in six months that's how, or less than six four months or whatever that's how long it takes for people to be like to realize it is funny that way like <laughs> How people still like how we're like, oh, wow, we really didn't realize how things were like, imagine the you going back to October or November and playing people you would just destroy, right? Just because you understand so much more now. Oh, yeah, no, the, I, I go back to the old nostalgia of Sons of Solo and I hunted cast, uh, mm -hmm. casting the power hours. Yeah. And there's. I mean, it gets it gives you goosebumps, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, I remember this game. I remember what happened. Like, oh, this was so close. But looking at the style of play back then, it was just so slow because everybody was, you know, you had uh, power to lasers for a while, and mm -hmm. then you would put power into engines, and you would strictly boost. <laughs> there was no drift. There yeah. was no skip. It was boost. Yeah, I mean, Rebels brought up a good point, too. We're still finding other optimizations and the meta shifts around aux choices, too. I mean, you totally see that, like, where people were doing torpedoes and then people dropping the chaff on them. And now people don't sit in chaff so much. So you see torpedoes again. Like, it's kind of interesting that it, that it goes around. Um, so kind of coming down to it, why is pinballing and being in, like, a defender um, or shunt charging? Or why are these things so powerful it seems like with the boost gasping i think shield skipping might be 
the biggest factor that there is right now. Shield skipping and the multi drift. Those are, I think are the two um the biggest factors here. What are what are your thoughts on them? Uh so I I honestly think that the multi drifting um I wouldn't necessarily call it an exploit, but it's definitely it, it's definitely an oversight, I feel, um, in the coding of the game. Um, shield skipping is 100% an exploit because it's it's right there in the name, right? You're skipping the cooldown of the recharge rate of the shields mm-hmm. after being shot. So uh, you're extending your life, basically, which, okay, if we look at one aspect in one um, game overall, right? If you live an extra five seconds, that's not huge deal, right? But your five seconds there, when blown up to a full game, uh, amounts to a lot. And then we're not talking about, let's say, just one player doing it. We're talking about all five. So if it happens one aspect for each player, that's an extra 25 seconds of morale. Yeah. I mean, it, it... Yeah, and how much can everyone you can't kill five people in that time and it makes you spend extra time on one people so it extends people's lives further that way and it is you know it it's tough to say that that was that could ever be the intention of it it seems that one okay so one thing that's interesting though between um boost skipping and shield skipping like i feel like these names are kind of they they they're completely different kind of in how they work to me in any way and you can do uh, uh boost skipping with basic but you can't do shield skipping with basic power management so it's also this other fast aspect there yeah so the the skipping there is kind of like if you look at like a webster's dictionary they're like entry one and then entry two yeah kind of thing, yeah right? where the boost skipping is more or less like you're bouncing around like you're playing leapfrog or something and yeah the, and you're uh, charging a system while you're doing it well you're charging let's say you're charging shields while you're boost skipping like fastly there yeah it's like maximizing it's like fastest yeah. movement across the maps so, or, or apparently except with the b-wing which i found it at one point um <laughs> and then that's so that's another aspect too i guess when you look at uh, the, the divide kind of it's not just like console players not being able to multi-drift and pc players being able to and then console players not really being able to use advanced power management and PC players being able to. So you see this divide between the PC and the console players. And then you also see a divide, I guess, between people who are like, I don't want to use multi-drift because it's just dumb to me that it's even an option. And people, you know what I mean? And it's like you're saying, like competitive has just kind of accepted it. What are your thoughts there? Uh, So... With multi-drifting, I have the same issue that I did with dead drifting way back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, players who used it became invulnerable to fire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just due to, I guess, the laser tethering I think is I, the right way of saying it. From what I understand, yeah, it's the uh, the tethering. Shout out to uh, Guild of Locksmith for the follow. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, the tethering would be there, and there'd be like some frames 
in the drift of invulnerability. It was really far though. Like now there's like minimal frames of invulnerability, I think, when you're dead drifting, but there was like Yeah. <laughs> it was a, I noticed big time when dead drifting was patched. I was playing the support ship and I was like, oh I all I do is dead drift everywhere. I have to kind of change. <laughs> I have to relearn to fly a little bit now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And I, I remember like being able to dead drift back in the day. You would pull the maneuver off. You would watch the laser shots hit your shield, but your shield would just not budge right mm-hmm. like you wouldn't lose any shield you wouldn't lose any health um so it, it was registering that it was there it was just like hey you're not taking any damage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh multi-drifting is kind of in that aspect where you're changing your momentum's direction so quickly that the laser can't tether to where it's going and that's an issue because if you're using anything with any kind of convergence right you're going to miss because it's already tied to a certain spot of where it's going. And I think also because the movement's like so erratic when they're multi-driven, like it's changing like where their nose is going to be headed so quickly and unpredictably, you can't lead effectively because that's what it's all about. It's about leading shots to hit things in this game. So you can't predict where they're going, so you can't lead properly. It just makes everything harder. So I totally... It's hard to argue against it. I guess it's then you're like, well, how much does... like? So first of all, I mean, support ships, basically, almost all the teams that are making probably top eight in tournaments are having a multi-drift support. I mean, except we guess with the exception of maybe Cheese, who doesn't use a support after, they, uh, after the <laughs> opening, right? Like, so I, I guess like everyone else pretty much. But then there's other things too. People have told me two things that I've learned when we were talking the other day about this. I didn't realize... Mm-hmm. That the multi drift, apparently, I don't. I, what I'm hearing is it extends the time of the drift, which means it gives you more time to charge systems while you're drifting and being invulnerable and making it difficult to be hit. That's a pretty huge advantage. <laughs> yeah, I was unaware of that yesterday as well. But yeah. It, yeah, it makes sense in the fact that you know a lot of these guys who do multi drift seem to have unlimited amounts of energy, right? Uh, yeah, and it, it, I mean, it's definitely a factor. So, the, the, I mean, from what I understand, the ships that it benefits the most are the support ships, uh, the TIE Bomber, and from what I've heard, the TIE Fighter somewhat. I don't know for sure. Like, I haven't, te- I don't, honestly, I'm going to set up multi-drift when I can just because I want to test these things and get the information out there. I want to see, I want to know. Maybe that's, maybe I know people have a code about those things. I just also don't know what the other option is. Like, how do you police something like that? Uh, so that's kind of something that I've been trying to think of myself Mm -hmm. and the only like logical, I guess, answers to it are just ridiculous to ask people to do. Yeah. Well, let's throw it out there. What are, what are your thoughts on it? Cause I mean, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean like, so a shield skipping, right? You can sort of shield skip on basic power, but it's just not as fast. Right. right yeah. It's the act of pulling it all out and then putting it all back in. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So thinking of multi-drifting, you can't talk about basic power management and regulate it. Right. Cause you'd still be able to elongate your drift. Um, Cause the tests of dead drifting uh, with basic and with advanced it's like a 0.4 second mm-hmm. difference, yeah. right? So that's not much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only other thing that I could really think of is like if a player boosts, they have to use 
all of their boost charge, which is ridiculous because now yeah. you have to yeah. guesstimate how long you or how much boost charge you need in order to get to a place, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't. I don't so, like that. Doesn't. Yeah, I, that's a tough one to police. It's. I think it's unfair. I think it's just bad for the game. Against. Anyways, go on. Go on though. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I think it just comes down to being like, all right, well, just be. I I don't know how to say it, but just be like a decent human being and <laughs> like don't multi drift yeah. kind of thing, right? Like yeah. just put it in the rule as like no multi drifting. Parenthesis, please. Parenthesis. Right? <laughs> Zaster asked nicely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is the one thing that I'm thinking about. What? what maybe we were talking about this. So this kind of calls back to what we're talking about when we were so young in the game and we didn't know what was going on. So the game for the whole time, anyone who's had boost and drift on separate buttons, if you spam the drift key while you are drifting, it gives you additional drifts, which is so funny to think that like. No one realized that till January or people who did. Didn't, you know what I mean? It just wasn't as widespread. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the issue, right? Like the issue is that some people can separate boost and drift and some people can't. So to me, if I was going to police it, and I don't know how you police it, but you say you can't do that. How oh, do you- yeah, no, that that was definitely the other option. Yeah. I had there, but mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know. How do you police that? Put on the spot. See, this is the thing. How do you that, police that? Yeah. You can't really, right? But it's tw- um, at the same time, though, it's 2021. If you can't record your setup while you play, like, I'm sorry, like, maybe you shouldn't play competitive. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, like, who, <laughs> like, if you, if you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who can't record what's going on in your your stuff? Like, you record your inputs. Like, that's not hard to do with two um, things. Because if you Xbox and mm. PlayStation players, I don't fine, fine. They, they Xbox, can, they're not an issue right? though. That's fine. Then they don't have to record because they're on that, Xbox or true. PlayStation. So fine, they're, they're not the issue. Oh, here we go. Evo, uh, make yeah, everything. no, I guess I, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. um, I really don't know. Yeah. I think that would be the other option. Mm-hmm. But I mean, once again, it would just be like, all right, you guys have to do this or else you can't participate. Which I guess makes sense, right? If you're the tournament organizer, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they're the ones making up the tournament. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to say it's easy for them. I mean, there's no easy option. I'm not saying my, I'm not saying my option is feasible. It's cutthroat. Don't get me wrong, but it's all I could think yeah. of if you really wanted to balance that out. Yeah. Or make says, uh, Evo says in the chat, make everyone play on console. There you go. Done and done. <laughs> it would be, <laughs> I'm not purchasing the game again. I'm sorry. Yeah. I like my, my high level too much. <laughs> oh yeah. That's another thing we haven't really even talked out about yet. You are one of, if not the highest level in the game. Are you, I think you're the highest. You need you, you to question that kind of in chat. Um, Last I knew, Chukamojo was higher than me. But if you had asked me maybe a month ago, a month mm-hmm. and a half ago, right before they, uh, I think it was two patches ago, mm-hmm. um, when basically the Empire just won every single game and the New Republic had to play a perfect game and <laughs> hope that the Empire messed up. Yeah, I remember those days. Uh, that's kind of like, I didn't play much during that patch because I didn't find the game fun right Um, it was just the luck of the draw on which side you got whether you won or not right um so 
I was definitely leading up to 800 at the 8, 880 area. Uh, I was the highest level in the game, yeah. I just enjoyed the game that much. Um, I'm pretty sure you're in the league because I think Chuko has gone back to work. He had bad internet for a while, hasn't been able to play. I think, you, I think you're there. I think you're the lead. You're the one who's got to take it to, to 999, you know? 999 and i'm or, hoping to hit zero or zero <laughs> re-zero you gotta, you're the one who's got to find it out you know like i feel like a month more you're gonna make it at maybe at most something like that uh, i'll i'll uh prestige and have to get requisition points again <laughs> you guys wait can't wait to see that uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else we kind of talked about the multi-drift and that stuff it's a, you know it's a bummer to see that it is a part of the game i don't know i know people you know i respect it that you have a code it's tough to say bumps me up that it makes it you know less enjoyable for people and i do think at you know the highest level it probably does make a difference but i mean like you said you love the game i hope you continue to play too man and anytime you're down i'm <laughs> love to get some games <laughs> look i i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything um pinballing is really fun to do right it is a lot of fun, especially when you get it down and you fly. <laughs> you're like boosting and drifting uh, within five inches <laughs> of like the capital ship while you're shooting it, mm -hmm. right? It's so fun to do. It is probably one of the most annoying things to track in the game. So like I, I understand everybody's frustrations. I have them too. Yes, I do pinball because it's fun, but I understand, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's, uh, everyone's got yeah, their code. You know, no, no, go ahead. Continue, sorry. Uh, but I also don't have any ill will towards those that multi-drift in a competitive aspect so long as a tournament organizer doesn't say, please don't, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that totally makes sense. There's always that doctrine of win at all costs, so I understand that too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's cool that it, the info is out there it's not like it's hidden like no one knows what's you know what i mean for for the most part all people are explaining how to do these things and teaching people so i i, I think that's good in some games that knowledge can be kind of hidden so i prefer uh the knowledge gap i prefer a skill a skill gap over a knowledge gap oh for sure and the the community is great enough that if anybody approaches like a higher level player i'm sure they'll help them out in some way shape or form right mm -hmm, for sure um, so long as that player wants to put in the time and effort so also uh yeah let us know where you're streaming and everything where people can check you out uh when you're streaming squadrons or any other games uh so it's twitch.tv backslash disaster it's just my name with a d and an i d for delta i for igloo <laughs> right in front of it so Nice check him out there. I'll have the link in the description below. Yo, man, thank you so much for being on the on the podcast. Awesome to have you on. Talk about all this stuff. I think it's important to to talk about the multi drift too this way because you know there's tons of people who feel the exact same way as you. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. It was fun to talk, and definitely got to get some more games in. Right? Yeah, for sure, buddy. I'm around a little more, so we can get those in sometimes. So, thanks a lot for being on the pod. Thank you, everyone, for checking it out live. This has been the Star Wars Squadron podcast. I'm Time Bomb, and I'll check you guys out next time. Bye. 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 Bye.